It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at CBOC.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Hello, this is Dr. Jeremy Lookaball, workplace communication and negotiation coach, as well as industrial organizational psychology consultant. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at termboot.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Great. Well, thank you, Jeremy, and good morning, everybody, and welcome to our weekly gathering of IOs and people who deal with other people. Uh, Jeremy has got a great topic for us today. We're going to talk about gossiping, uh, which is um, it's a team sport. Everybody can play. Uh, but Jeremy, I want to start by asking you this question. Is gossiping bad? So uh, it, there's an interesting comment in the... Um in the, uh, the the LinkedIn post, is there such thing as healthy gossip and positive gossip in the workplace? And I really like that comment. I've done, we have, um, you know, I've done these things, you know, if anyone's done, it's called a new leader, assimil- a new leader assimilation, where anytime that somebody is brought in as a, le- a new leader to an intact team, they might have previous notions, if it was a, an internal um uh, promotion or, or you know transfer over to this department there's preconceived notions some people might not like the person so we do these new leader assimilations and we start out one of the things that i do it's a positive gossip ac- activity and we'll I'll, you know I'll get people I'll, I'll pair people up and they get to choose someone they work with and they negatively gossip about them and then it's re- i mean it's really simple how do you how do you feel after that and it's usually I, f- I feel bad, I feel a little embarrassed, my energy level is low, and then we switch it around. Okay, now positively gossip about that person. It's a little hard maybe uh, 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 at first, but the results are, pr- are pretty incredible. The energy in the room is better, people light up. When you look at appreciation in the workplace, uh, there's, I've talked a couple times, there's something called motivation, there's an assessment, it's called uh, uh, motivation by assessment. No, motivation by appreciation inventory. And it's the same, uh, I think it was Gary Chapman, the five love languages got together with uh, a workplace psychologist and and they created the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. And one of the questions that are often asked in those types of sessions is, what if I really don't appreciate the other person? Because that's really valid. There's a lot of conflict that happens in organizations. You simply don't respect and you don't appreciate somebody else. And... The response to that usually is take another look at that person. Perhaps your standards are just a little bit too high in terms of what you're expecting out of them, either in their particular role or their interactions with you. And, you know, chicken or the egg. Am I determining some of the negative behavior? Am I provoking some of the negative behaviors in this person? If that's the case, that's caused me not to respect them. But simply having a positive gossip 
activity can be very helpful. And today we're going to talk about how do we get, so how do we, let's say eliminate perfect world, right? So how do we eliminate gossip, negative gossip in the workplace? And how do we start to increase positive gossip? And how do we work that into a social norm and into the culture of the workplace? So that's our topic for today. Maybe, maybe I need some clarification then, because I mean, maybe it's the good gossip versus bad gossip, and maybe it's not even gossip, but I know, and it's great to see Rick Phillips here. Uh, hey, Rick. Yeah, hey, Rick. <laughs> Rick's another communication ally, and, and maybe you've had the same experience as me, Rick, but I remember working in a university with acting students, being their voice and speech instructor, and for some reason, I was the guy that knew everything because students would come into my office and I could just stare at them and they'd go, what? And I'd go, you want to tell me about it? And they would divulge everything about themselves, about their classmates. So I knew what was going on. Now, is that something I shouldn't have been doing? <laughs> but Rick probably finds this too. When you're working with people, boy, they open up and they start talking about other people. So in you know, especially when I look back at that university time that I had teaching, is that constructive? Is that positive gossip? Is that not even gossip? Am I in the ballpark here? Or do we need a definition of what gossip is, especially negative gossip? Rick, I think that's to you. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. I want to be as <laughs> passive as possible. <laughs> I, you know what I think? I, I want to hear your guys' opinion. I think that, um, I think, Tom hit the nail on the head. I think it depends how you interpret, right? A gossip is a negatively charged word, but is there another word that we could use uh, that, that it doesn't sound so negative, but it's the same idea of people chatting and talking, getting to know each other and trying to figure out what's going on with the other person over there. And the second thing is um, gossip uh, for what it's worth is, is not possible to eliminate it at all. So the idea of someone thinking that they're going to stop gossiping is like someone else thinking they're going to stop bullying. It's impossible. The deal, the, the idea is how to, how to deal with it and how to focus on the positives. And I'm sure you guys have lots of stuff to teach me about that. So I'm going to shut up now. Well, maybe Anna, we should go to you next because neutral gossip, what the heck is neutral gossip? Well, in the way that I've thought about gossip before, it's kind of anything that's not information or talk that's not privy to the entire group. So, um, so if it's positive gossip, that could be affirming. So oh my gosh, did you hear that Jeremy did this and it was so incredible and he won that award. And then maybe neutral um, is just like, there's really no tone, kind of those things that we say in passing, like, oh, my daughter Sarah is coming back for the weekend or things like that. Or like, did you hear? And then I think negative is when it gets undertones of judgment and, you know, anything that we wouldn't want to hear said behind our back. Okay, but <laughs> Brendan, we, I see your hand up. We're going to go to you next, but I want to challenge Jeremy a little bit here. So if Jeremy, if I go, hey, Jeremy, guess what I just heard about Sharon? What is your reaction? Do you honestly, don't you want to know? You, you know, you did say honestly, and I can honestly say no. I'm, 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 I, maybe it's just me and many people aren't going to believe me. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't interest me. I value keeping confidences and it's, it's really just, it's for me, it's just natural. And I know if I think, I, I think the people that I've, that I've worked with, I think everyone would really sh would kind of back me up that I, I'm preaching this, but I also do it. Uh, 
we got to look at you know, when you look at it from an organizational standpoint how much first off what's in it for the organization and for the people how much time does gossip take you know when you look at I, I keep messing up the math but 15 minutes a day is something like two weeks a year of, uh, of work time and think of how much how much gossip that takes think of how much you know we, I think to get further into it I think we can you can start to establish these norms by just simple hey is this positive gossip you can say something like that because then the person might know and then they kind of know and there, there's just tiny little things that that we can do to stop it in its tracks but then again everyone loves a good train wreck and curiosity killed the cat so it's hard to say I don't want to hear it because everyone wants to everyone you know there's a car accident on the road everyone's rubbernecking this is going on people are curious it's natural to need to know and to want to know but I'll go back to I kind of go back to you know with my nine-year-old oftentimes he'll say something and I'll simply say are you saying this because it's important for us to know or are you saying this just because you have the urge to say it and I think we can start to ask some some uh, self um, uh, some some questions to ourselves to help identify what exactly what are we getting at what's going to help us next and by the way it's going to affect the way that we're seen too if we're the gossiper so then it affects our own aura and let's face it our reputation isn't what we think people think about us our reputation is what people are saying behind our backs i like what rihanna is saying right now about it's all about power it's information if you know it and and I'm not one to gossip much, but boy, I sure like hearing it. Uh, Brendan, let's go over to you because do you love hearing gossip? So I've actually worked with multiple leaders and taught them this little trick um, because I read a LinkedIn post once and it was really impactful for me. So I'm more than happy to share it here. Um, this concept of paying someone a compliment behind their back uh, is one something that I try to instill in people because that's taking that culture of negative gossip into positive gossip. And um, it could be as simple as, you know, you're talking to another coworker and you'd be like, wow, you know, Chris did a really great job on that project. You think that coworker is not going to go and tell that person that? They're 100% going to because, you know, like you said, people want to talk and people want to share the information, so to speak. So it's just, it's so powerful when you start to use that grapevine, as I call it, in that way. And then you can really start to change your culture by using it that way. It's a really good point. Arianna, let's go to you. Um, I just want to go back to one thing that Jeremy said about what we say kind of reflects onto us. I heard that as a quote once, that anything, the adjectives that we use to describe others, because we are saying them, tend to be associated with us. So for very harsh and like that woman is so judgmental and ugly, you know, and just like I immediately kind of take on those qualities. Um, and I think that also connects to what Brendan is saying, because if we use positive or neutral gossip in the way that it's just side conversations, but we do not care if any of that gets back to the source or it gets shared. And like sometimes there's going to be private things that you don't want to spread, but that person goes back to the person you're talking about and that person is grateful or neutral that that's been said, then I think that's a good indicator that that level of gossip is healthy for the workplace. Well, let me go back to you, Jeremy, because sometimes you can get in trouble with gossip. 
So, and I'll just share a brief experience with no names, but once again, teaching in a post-secondary institution, I had students come to me with gossip about another instructor. And (laughs) basically what I found out was that as another employee, what I could and couldn't do was quite restrictive. Like I couldn't talk to students about it. I had to go to my direct supervisor and let them deal with it. But one, you know, once again, there was some toxic gossip that could have got me fired. So, you know, as Ariane says, you know, we need to stay away from that negative gossip. Sometimes there is positive gossip, but how, how dangerous can gossip be not only to the people that were spreading stuff around about, but to the employee? I mean, with most organizations, there must be some sort of policy about you know, how gossip is handled, or if it's gossip, which is vitally important to the organization. Is there any sort of work being done on that? There was a, I can't remember exactly the article. It was an article uh, on, on the Sherm website about gossip in the workplace. And there was a, there was a company that had a very strict gossip policy. And because of that policy, somebody got fired, that person sued, and that person won in court uh because they they felt that the policy for gossip was too restrictive um so i mean it can yes it can be damaging it's the you know how how someone manages it and how what someone does with the information if it's if it's a colleague and there's really negative gossip that's when you switch gears to instead of being judgmental you turn into the best friend of their success and maybe you go to them and say, look, something's, something's come up. It's affecting your personal brand. I know you care very deeply about that. And I would be remiss if I didn't share this with you. I didn't want to know all the details. So I, um, you know, ended the conversation. But this is the gist of it. Or, you know, so there's different ways you can handle it. And another another thing that can be done when people are starting to gossip this, this is something I've shared this with a couple of different you in either meetings or events, but there's something that, that some things that you can do when your your back's against the wall and you don't want to uh, let's say that it's your it's your boss and your boss pulls all the strings and get you fired in a minute kind of thing and they say something disparaging, right? Maybe they say, I had this happen once. Somebody said, I hate somebody some my, my boss a boss I had once said to me, I hate part-time workers. They haven't earned anything. And they certainly shouldn't have uh, their own office or autonomy in the workplace. Okay, so my response to that, (laughs) yeah, I see these faces. My response to that was, it sounds like you've really thought about this. I didn't. I didn't have to agree. I didn't have to disagree. I was able to buy myself some time and figure out how to deal with that particular situation on my own time. But those are some some of the things you can say. You're basically calling out what what's what's happening and there might be gossip that comes to you and you can stop that and you can say it seems like it seems like this is really important to you or it seems like you heard something and it's really affecting your day and then they can talk and then you'll you'd be surprised that conversation whatever they're saying will almost immediately will go internally and they'll start talking about how something affects them without really getting into the nuts and bolts of the gossip. So again, we're going back to these really critical communication techniques that are very effective, very simple, 
Um, but it's all about being mindful of how to manage that particular conversation, especially before an organization starts to be uh, have a culture of uh, gossiping ain't cool kind of a thing. Right. Uh, Sarah, I see you. Hello. <laughs> but let's hey. go to Brendan first, then we'll come to you. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? I hope so. Yes, we can. Um, so I kind of look at it this way, okay? And like neurobiology tells us like gossip is actually a way that humans build connections, okay? So if I'm looking at it from the most reductive state, which is that it's a typical part of human behavior, and I'm applying that to the restrictions of a workplace, now I have a lens through which I'm observing this behavior, right? And so what I'm going to say to the discussion is this, gossip is a means for humans to create an in-group and an out-group. So if they are participating in that behavior, that means that the in-group and the out-group have not been clearly defined and that they are taking it upon themselves to create those definitions. Okay. We started this conversation by saying, how do we define gossip? Right. Okay. So going back to that train of thought, if they're you know, partaking in this activity to, to create those internal definitions, what does that tell us about the organization? The organization hasn't taken the steps needed to define it in such a way that it resonates. The people have not bought into the idea of their company culture or the way that they conduct business or the way that they communicate. So I don't necessarily see gossip as a bad thing. I see gossip as kind of like a pulse check. Like if I see it, then I know that this problem exists. Now I should investigate as to, okay, are we dealing with communication issues? Are we dealing with something more systemic within the leadership? This should be a signal to us as practitioners to investigate more um, and not necessarily see gossip as an unhealthy thing because we're all humans and we all partake in it, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, at some point in our lives, we have. Um, now, our conscious effort to rein in that behavior, that's something that we all do at differing degrees. Um, and hopefully that is something else that employers and organizations can start implementing as well as how do we teach that mindful behavior of reining it in? And what does that look like? And how do we catch ourselves in those behaviors if we're partaking in it in the moment? And how do we readjust? Um, and, and not being afraid to readjust. You're not committed once you start kind of thing. So I think that's that's what I would I would say about that. Um, if anyone probably wants to add to that, I'd be curious to know uh, thoughts. Well, let's go to Brendan first, and then we'll go to Ariana. So you, you kind of already touched on a lot of things that I wanted to touch on with what you just said, is that um, gossip can also be a symptom of another issue. Um, a lot of the organizations where I've seen gossip is going haywire and it gets really toxic and ugly is because the communication from leadership is pure trash. And um, if you're not com communicating to the employees, don't worry, they'll communicate for you. Um, and this is their way of doing it. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Ariana, let's go to you. Yeah, I was actually going to say something similar. And I love what Sarah and Brennan are saying about it being a representative like element of a culture if this is occurring, especially at a toxic level. Um, a different kind of spin coming from the ethics and compliance space is we see oftentimes that in more hierarchical paired with like dictator-like leadership, which does still occur in the modern era, there's a lot of things that are not allowed to be spoken in the culture. And so if there's things that aren't allowed to be talked about or things that are more taboo or things like that, 
that's going to just naturally go to the behind the scenes gossip space because it's not allowed to be present in the culture. Um, and then one other thing that I'll add that I think is interesting from a previous team that I joined is just establishing team agreements and organizational agreements around some of these things can be very helpful. So one of our team values was honor the absent. So whenever we were coming back to our agreements that we had as a team, we would say that we honor the absent and kind of like what Jeremy was saying about having certain times of checking in, like, is this positive gossip or negative gossip? I think it helps us keep ourselves and others accountable. Am I honoring the absent right now? Very true. Cynthia, I see your hand up. Great to see you here with us today. Uh, go ahead. Tell us what you're thinking. Hi, you know, uh, a little bit from what Ariana was talking about, but for me, I, knowledge is power, but now shared knowledge is power. And we have this whole return to office hybrid situation. Millennials, some of you may be them, some of you may not um, come from a place where we we want to share our information. It's just so exciting. And that can lead, of course, to product leaks and, and things that you don't want your company to, to, you know, it's important that the company reinforces that you don't, there are certain things you cannot share online. There are things you cannot socially share or shouldn't be gossiped about. And that does come from the top leadership. But I was just curious, you know, with like with Zoom initially, that was a big problem because people were getting canceled because they would say something wrong. Uh, the company, the corporate communications has to deal with that. The, um, you know, a university that had a, a, a divi- um a whole wing that was dedicated to this man's name who had basically built it. He had his company for, and now he's, he had to leave because he said something really bad on a, on a zoom. And so that creates a different kind of crisis communications for leaders. And I was wondering if anybody had anything, you know, to say about that. And, and there was one other thing is I just wanted to say the good part that about the physical space is we want to fill in gaps with conversation. And so people will just bring up stuff just to have something to have that. And we you kind of lose that with the Zoom and even this kind of a culture that we're having here as opposed to us being in a room. So I just wanted to open that up to discussion, maybe. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Very welcome. Sarah, I see your hand up. I bet you got an answer. Yeah, of course. I've always got something to say. Whether or not it's an effective answer will will be determined. Um, So I'm sitting here thinking about what Cynthia was saying. And as a lot of you know, I have a lot of experience, military experience, and then also working in the veteran community. And so something I always like to parallel it, right? Because it's a community that can easily be studied. And its organizational structure is incredibly interesting. Um, So one thing that I'm going to say about gossip as it relates to like military environment and that sort of thing is self-regulation and almost this like internal punishing that happens. Okay. So hear me out. The level to which employees are able to correct one another in a healthy way also is going to contribute positively to a culture. Now, I'm not going to say that it always happens healthfully in that military environment, but there is that that team correction element. So we're a team. If we see someone acting a certain way that does not jive with our warrior ethos, then guess what? We're going to correct that person because they represent us. So it, again, it's that us versus them type of collective mentality and it's everywhere you go. So I think the, really the key part that we can learn from the military environment and as it was relating um, to what Cynthia was saying about communications being so troubling and difficult for leaders and corporate responsibility and the like is 
are we facilitating that sort of collective agreement in a healthy way? If no, then what steps can we take to actually do that? Because of the challenges of remote environment, okay. So how, what other methods can we try that we haven't tried yet? It's, it's all about pushing it you know, outside of what's been done already. And there's so many tools that are available to us now that there's just no excuse. So if I hear a leader saying that they're, you know, struggling with communication or, you know, they're having a lot of backlash due to corporate responsibility and the like, it ultimately stems from that question of, okay, but what are you actively doing about it right now? And if the answer is nothing, then, okay, time to start from somewhere. You know what I mean? And I, I think that is a key part. I think it's, they're tempted to hide. They're tempted to hide or they're tempted to sweep it under the rug um, or they're tempted to revert back to the way we used to do things because that was better. So let's bring everybody back into the office so we can get our nails back in them. And that's the wrong answer, too. So I hope that sort of kind of I don't know if it answers a question, but kind of gives a train of thought of how we can kind of look at it. Well, well, kind of. But if I'm a corporate leader, mm-hmm. yes, I've been ignoring the gossip. Because it's just gossip. You know, it's just people chatting. But now it's become an issue. Mm-hmm. And so I've called you <laughs> to, sit, to fix my problem. And you've, you've asked me, so what have you done? And I'm going to be honest and say, nothing. Hmm. So, so what are you actually going to do to combat this? I'm going to touch to the employees. So I'm going to ask, what sort of information have you gathered from your employee base? What sort of information and feedback do you have from your direct line subordinates, for example? Usually it's the mid-level managers that are the problem. And I say that very carefully. Um, <laughs> but the, the reason they're the problem is because they're usually the most overworked as well. And they're usually the ones that are charged with not only representing a large amount of employees, but also advocating for them at the same time while also being their disciplinarian. So it's it's a really weird place to exist. So I would start by getting feedback from them first, um, because that's going to give me a really good idea of, okay, is, there a, is it a lack of communication or maybe it's a surplus of communication and it's just disjointed. So trying to figure out that mid-level management is usually my favorite place to start. I would just kind of add to the conversation that we're having um, that I totally see that. I feel like sometimes we have to investigate what what kind of gossips are happening. So if you get Sarah's being brought in right now, like what is being said? What is the occurrence? Are we realizing this is a problem? Is it representative of interpersonal toxicity? Are people being very kind of savage to each other or are we hearing persistent gossip from the bottom line workers that's being funneled up through middle management about poor working conditions? Because I've seen that too, where sometimes it's the workplace that's causing the gossip. Um, and I think that all of those things matter when we're trying to do like what is kind of a gossip needs assessment right here to see how we can begin to tackle some of these challenges. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I have had experiences, especially working with students where there's one student who thinks gossip is a way to build power and, and, you know, they're dealing mostly in negative gossip, but they see it a way of climbing to the top. And I'm sure the same thing happens in business. 
what do we do when we have one of those toxic individuals in a team? Any advice? (laughs) I just want to say you'd be surprised how many of those people make it into leadership positions. (laughs) (laughs) You would be surprised because most of them, that's that's how a lot of them get there. I remember once reading that narcissists love three different careers, banking, corporate leadership, and acting. <laughs> so are we, are, are we going to, if we go in and we're talking to a leader, especially if it's about gossip, do we have to consider who that leader is, what their personality is, and they might be the problem? Yes. And often they are. And learning to work around that problem is a big challenge for people in our field. Um, Making sure that we're doing everything to protect their employees from them, which is an incredibly challenging task. Um, I think the way that, and I hate to say it, the way that you go about it without having to remove that leader is by convincing that leader that you are in fact their ally. Um, that's, That's the only way to get it done. Um, and just knowing that you're doing it on behalf of the people that work for them um, and ho- in hopes that eventually, you know, they would either just by seniority be phased out or that, you know, systemically the organization comes to terms with that. But if you walk in as a practitioner and you say you're the problem, you're just going to get the boot. Yeah, very true. Uh, Ariana, I see your hand up. If you mind, don't mind, just hold that thought for a second. Uh, because Jeremy, I see we're sort of at the bottom of the hour here. Uh, I'd like to take a little break and just reset the room. Uh, here we are today talking about gossip. <laughs> Pros, cons, should you use it? Should you not? Uh, but Jeremy, there's a lot going on with CBOC. Uh, do you want to just give us a little sort of reveal about some of the stuff that's going on? Yes, yeah, so we have a, a path a Pathfinder program that's opening up for IOs that are uh, you know still... Uh, either early career, not in their career yet for IO or even mid-career, and they're looking to build their brand. They're looking, what do IOs actually do? It's a lot of the things that the graduate programs didn't didn't give them. How do they build their brand? How do they get noticed? How do they acquire the skills? And we have a uh, really a mastermind team for people to help. So uh, that program will be launching, looks like next week. And people can get uh, into that. So there's still a waiting list for the IO memberships. And as you all know, we've got two different sides of the membership. We have your IO experts who are already experts, already established in the field. And then we have the, the Pathfinder program that we are very, very excited to start. So any IOs that are listening on the recording on the, on the, on the podcast or here now, you can go and just sign up for the waiting list. If you go to cbock.com, you'll see IOs start here. Jump on the waiting list and you'll get notified when a spot opens up for you. The podcast is kicking butt. Uh, we're seeing exponential growth with people listening to the podcast. So there's a lot of value. Everyone that's here listening, everyone that's contributing on air, really making a difference and a dent and impact. So thank you for what everyone does. Tom, did I miss anything? Uh, Only that (laughs) I'm doing some really fun stuff right now. I'm starting to interview some of the IOs who have joined CBOC and there's going to be some really good information 
for those of you who are maybe still in school or just graduated and how did you get your career started? And then also some advice about sort of the other end about, okay, I've been working for a company now for a number of years, but I want, I want to start my own consultant agency. So getting some advice for some established IOs, for especially for some of the, the younger people who may be tuning in about how to launch your career. And then when you're ready to take the next step and start your own consultant agency, how you actually do that and some of the things that you have to keep in mind. Uh, so thanks, Jeremy. Uh, keep an eye on that on the CBOC website. Hope Tom, those will be up soon. Yes, Jeremy. One more quick thing. So uh, I will be cutting out here in about 10 minutes. I have to leave just a little early. You guys will continue on. But I wanted to mention the topic for next week while I have the opportunity. The topic for next week is how to bring back the rich value of the job description. There's a lot that we can do with the job description that is very beneficial for people on both sides. And if all goes well scheduling wise, many of you know Destiny Preet. Destiny Preet will be here uh, as a guest with all of us as a speaker to speak about that as well. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Turnboot. The name is not elegant. Neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's Turnboot Organizational Excellence. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Uh, Ariana, let's get back to talking about gossip. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it feels a little out of context now, but we were just talking about how sometimes leaders themselves can be the toxic influence, and definitely that can have very poor outcomes on there, anyone who's working underneath them, um, and how to kind of address that. And I do think sometimes it is beneficial to just fire that person. I think there are situations that I've seen where you can notice a real problem and skirt around it and you know, I think there are times when someone is just not a right fit for the organization. Um, but what else I've seen happen in leadership um, development and consulting is kind of calling that person out, you know, and maybe a group of leaders. Sometimes there's like everyone's contributing and investing in coaching. Um, I think professional coaching can be an enormous tool for developing self-awareness, for helping people grow, for helping them create accountability on some of the interpersonal leadership qualities that are needed to be an effective leader. Uh, let me ask you this. Why an IO? Why are IOs strategically maybe the best people to bring in when I've got an issue like this with gossip? Why, why do I want to pick up the phone and call an IO? Tom, I feel like when you ask that, I'm not going to answer your question, but I feel like when you ask that, the everyone is just the excitement. When you ask why IO for anything, I feel like so many people that are in our audience today are just jumping out of their seats and then the ideas are going because they get so excited about that stuff. So with that, I'll just mention anyone can come up, just raise your hand and, and share and chat. But uh, Tom, back over to you. I, just, I felt that energy from everyone else somehow. I'm glad you could feel that. All right. The challenges out there, IOs, why should I, if I'm a corporate leader and I've got an issue with gossip, 
why should I pick up the phone and call you? I would start by asking the question, is gossip a human behavior? And they would say, yes, of course it is. (laughs) And then I would say, okay, well, wouldn't you want to employ someone to solve this problem who is not only an expert in lines of business, but also an expert in the social sciences? Hmm. Because we're putting the two things together, right? So it's like, why would you pay two people to try to collaborate on this when you can just pay one? Well, <laughs> so I, if, but now I'm thinking, okay, if I bring you in on gossip, I might never let you go because obviously you won't have a choice, (laughs) (laughs) at least for me, (laughs) you don't have a choice. You do not own me. (laughs) Um, But if, if, if I'm a leader and I've got an issue with gossip, isn't it true that I'm just taking the lid off some bigger issues and that really (laughs) before, you know, I open Pandora's box, I might want to have you standing beside me, Sarah. Oh, yeah. And um, I encourage a lot of the IOs in here to once you've gotten um, enough practice under your belt and enough clients under your belt and all that, where you're like really confident in your approach, I would encourage you to start billing on retainer. Um, And that's why, because these problems, they're cyclical and they have almost like a life to them and they never, they never truly die. So um, you will get called back from the same client um, who will be at, you know, a happy client, but because of say turnover or changes in structure organization, um, excuse me, organizational structure. There you go. You got to see my uh, dyslexia there for a second. Um, (laughs) But because of changes that happen over time, these problems or new problems will rear their ugly heads again. And if they enjoyed working with you and you gave them a good client experience, there would be no reason for them not to want to reach out to you again. Um, and I just encourage you to have, you know, a different levels of retainer so that you, they can call on you at a moment's notice. And I can be standing there next to them when the next issue arises and you don't have to sit there and go through writing up a proposal and all of that again. Um, now, obviously if the project is going to evolve into something that requires that, then you do another proposal, but it's just nice to make sure that you're kind of on the books all the time. Um, and it just makes sure that I hate to say it like this, no one steps in and takes your place either as a practitioner. So you have to remember, you know, retaining clients is important. So I'm going to go back to my teaching days. When, when sometimes when an issue like this would come up, I would go, what a great chance to run an experiment. So, <laughs> and I would say, thing, you know, if we're talking about gossip, I might go, we're going to play the old telephone game and we'll start a rumor. We'll see how it ends up. But I wouldn't want them to like sit in a circle and do it. I would basically go, okay, you must accomplish this in 24 hours. So you can't directly go to another person. You have to let that secret sit for a while. But I'm thinking of all those IOs who are, you know, either in their master's or PhD programs, and they're working in a university and they've got all of these lovely people around them. What kind of experiment can they do with gossip? <laughs> Just to Ooh, see what easy, the fun one. I'm reminded of a Big Bang Theory episode. Actually, there was a Sheldon and Amy did an experiment, um, and it was a social experiment. And she was such a minx for convincing Sheldon to do this. But um, they went to all of their friend group, right? And <laughs> Amy walks up to to Penny and says, um, "Hi, um, 
I'm carrying Sheldon's baby and I've decided that I'm going to get orthopedic shoes. And so they're trying to see which one of the pieces of information gets communicated. Is it the bigger news that she's carrying Sheldon's baby or is it that she's going to get orthopedic shoes? So, I mean, you could do fun little things like that. Um, just be careful not to do anything damaging. Don't, you know, be careful not to do anything maybe within like a direct line of business that you're doing or a direct, you know, client relationship. That's probably not a good idea, but you can always have fun. I would say that all we're ever doing is experimenting. Yeah. And and what advice do you have for, oh, this is, this is hard sometimes, you know, people like Rick and myself, and I'm sure many of the IOs, because you know, especially if you're working in communication, you're talking with leadership, you're working on some skills, they share information with, <laughs> with Rick and I, we're dealing with different clients from different organizations. And, you know, I've had the experience of a leader from one organization saying something to me in a coaching session, a month or two later, I'm working with another executive in the same or similar industry. And I go, Ooh, he'd love to hear this Mm -hmm. and you'll share in the information that I heard two months ago. Now, confidentiality, (laughs) you know, is going to stop me from going down that path, but it doesn't stop the desire. No, it never will. It never will. It's just because your brain, yeah, your brain just formed a connection between the similarities of those two people. So that's just your human brain making a connection. Those two people exist in the same industry. They would find it interesting. I would find it interesting to tell them it's just, that's your human nature. So that urge is probably likely never to go away. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the beginning, it's kind of more about developing the practice of becoming self-aware and catching yourself in that moment and saying, I have the urge to gossip, even saying it out loud. I have the urge to gossip and then saying, I'm choosing not to. Sarah's got it perfectly right too, because it just comes down to that self-check question. Do you want to be effective or do you want to feel temporarily better because you impulsively said something. It's no different than if somebody came to you and said, Hey, uh, what'd you do this weekend? I went to Nashville. Uh, Oh, you know what? Well, I went to Nashville two weeks. You just completely interrupted what you were trying to ask them about because you made that connection that Nashville and you had that, they had to know that you just went there. So now you're talking about yourself when it's supposed to be the focus on them. So again, do you want to have an effective uh, you know, high, you know, potentially high value conversation, or do you want to let that go? Uh, be- before I particularly head out, I wanted to mention, so think of, you know, gossip is like water, you know, think of like the Grand Canyon in terms of information in the workplace. Gossip is the water that's going to fill any crack and crevice that isn't already filled with clear communication. It's uh, wherever there is a leadership gap, wherever there is a communication gap, wherever there is a lack of clarity, there's, there's two things at least that will fill that negative thoughts or gossip. And neither of them are usually good for, you know, morale, productivity, you name it. So with that kind of picture, with that picture in mind, I think a lot of leaders can understand that, Hey, if there is something that employees are questioning, um, you know, do we go full transparent, half transparent? There still has to be some communication or at least understand the consequences. Understand that, look, we can't talk about this now. We understand that gossip is gonna fill this space. So let's have some kind of a plan, uh, damage control plan after that. But know that it's just like water, it's gonna fill every crack and crevice in that regard. Um, if you don't, if you've got another minute or two, let me start with you, but I think Sarah and Ariana, I may wanna to come to you guys as well on this. What do I do if I'm the employee? 
if I found out that gossip has been, you know, been spread about me, maybe I'm a new employee. And my first experience is that people have been gossiping about me. I'm uncomfortable about it, but I'm also afraid that if I go to my direct supervisor, the reaction I'm going to get is it's gossip. Don't let it bother you. So first off, you hire Cynthia Lieberman to take care of that because she does all the uh, all the brand or she's the person. Um, Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. It's true. Uh, Tom, I, that's something that I would, I'm going to think a little deeply about. I do not have a response to that. So I'll, I'll pass it on to whoever you choose. Um, next time I'll have an answer. I want to think about that. I don't have an immediate answer. That's a good question. I love it. When I give you questions, you have to think about it makes me feel smart. <laughs> Cynthia, let's go to you. Sorry about that. Uh, let me, let me come right back to you. Cause something I've got interrupted with something. I'll be right back. Sorry. Not a problem. Sarah, you're up. Yeah, I'll pick it up, Tom. Um, so I can answer how I would respond. Um, and I usually think that is a good place to start, right? Because any leader, they should be saying, if this was happening to me, what would I do, right? Because that's ultimately how we end up giving advice through our life experience. Well, I would respond by making it worse. And I know that that is probably not conventional, but it does two things. It shows the person who's spreading the rumor that you're not affected by what they're saying. In fact, you can laugh at yourself and you can make it worse. And two, it empowers you to not be upset anymore. So make the rumor worse, make it worse. As long as it's not damaging to your position, so-and-so was taking too long of a break. And you know what? I was painting my nails too, whatever, make it worse. Because that part, you're disarming them. That's what you're doing. You're disarming the person who is spreading the rumor because they're only doing it for one of two reasons. One, they want to get a rise out of you. Or two, because they want to excite someone else who might want to get a rise out of you. Okay? They're they're playing chess with people. So you have to disarm them. And the easiest way to disarm them is to beat them at their own game. So everyone probably also knows that I'm a modern stoic and that's how stoics respond. So if any of you say, oh, Sarah's so full of herself. Yes, I am. Like that will be, you know, and did you hear that? I also just bought a rabbit. Like I will add to it. I will add to whatever you say because I am not perfect. And I think by coming from that mentality of, my ego is not easily destroyed or bruised by someone. It, it just disarms the person. Uh, well, let me ask you <laughs> kind of a personal question, but you have like a gaggle of kids. Oh yeah. And I have I- seven. <laughs> I have seven kids and they can dish it too, Tom. So if we're talking about gossip, my kids gossip about me. <laughs> so how do you deal with the family situation of, I mean, that's like a, you know, it, What's the difference between your seven kids and a team at a corporate, you know, <laughs> institution? Not much. Yeah. Not much, Tom, really. So, so how do you personally deal with gossip amongst your kids? Okay. So here's the thing. Um, I tell my kids something that I got from a Bambi movie because like all good millennials, I was raised by Disney. So I tell my kids, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. So if I find out someone is saying something negative about one of my other children, then usually what I do is I bring the two of them in the room and I make them each say something nice to one another. And then I make them hug. Now I can't do that in a corporate environment, but I can bring two people together and I can say, 
what is something nice that you can say about so-and-so? What is something nice that you can say about so-and-so? And usually that's enough to make them go, I was acting foolish. I was being foolish. I was being a child. Um, so there, you know, there's that strategy, but then there's also ignoring it a lot because I have that my kids fight, the kids fight a lot. Any parent in here will tell you they bicker. There's this like level hierarchy thing they're trying to figure out. It's a, it's a mess. And if you intervene too much as a parent, then they realize, oh, this gets a rise out of mom. This gets me attention from mom and they'll do it even more. So it's about striking a balance between the two. You don't want to become the police officer. Well, well, is it the same thing in the corporate world then? Because Mm-hmm. There are there are employees who are going to come to you if you're poor you know, HR. That's all I have to say. Poor, poor, poor HR. You got chosen to be both the advocate and the police officer at the same time. Like there needs to be a better distribution of work there and better delineation between these are the people you go and complain to, and these are the people who are going to advocate for you. Because take wearing both of those hats, in my mind, HR isn't paid enough and they aren't given a seat at the big boy table, which is upsetting. Well, you know, and there are HR people who tune in for these podcasts. So let me ask you is if I'm an HR person is, is my next play to basically go to leadership and go, you know, I can't play, I can't have both hats on at the same time. You know, this has got to be resolved and maybe I need to team up with an IO or, or what's yeah, absolutely. And but usually the problem there, Tom, is when HR tries to do that, they get their hands smacked and they get told that the budget does not allow it. Um, and my challenge back to that is your people are your biggest investment. Why does the budget not allow it? Um, your, your people are your biggest asset that you hold currently. Um, and you know, the way that the world is moving assets are being measured differently. I think we spoke about that last time a little bit. Um, I think that was you, Tom, that, that brought that up. Um, so assets are being measured differently. And I think we can extend that to people and their skills and level of experience, um, and start equating that to a, a, a line number, and, and start looking that as a cost-benefit ratio when it comes to training, development, coaching, working with an IO to solve systemic challenges. Um, HR should be really holding a lot more clout when it comes to budget, and they shouldn't be sitting there with their hands open waiting for the money bag, in my mind. is And you're, you're absolutely right. We are seeing a global change in the way that organizations are going to be doing their books. Uh, I believe here in Canada, it actually has been approved and we might see that transition over the next year. I know talking with people like Robert McGarvey at Rethinking Capital that, you know, they are working internationally to get this accepted around the world. So we're going to get into a situation where the relationships that employees have with the organization and with each other are actually going to get a value, an asset value attached to them. Who's going to place that value on the relationships of the individual? Is that going to be HR? Is that going to be <laughs> um, an IO? Who's it's going to be an it? IO. It should be an IO or it should be part of a people analytics team because they're going to be the ones that are determining how the people analytics are relating to the overall company performance and numbers and how well they're doing and all that. So I'm sure that they will determine a way to measure that and to ascribe value to it, which, I mean, it's pretty straightforward once they figure out what they're going to measure. But 
I think at the end of the day, the key take home for leadership is most of them are not in people analytics. Most of them are not in HR and they're the ones making these decisions for these lines of business. That's the problem. So I think the first step is to have a VP of people and culture. Um, Step one, if you do not have that, get that. Um, And they have an equal seat at the table to all of your other VPs, period. They have the same amount of clout when it comes to vying for budget. Um, In fact, I would even argue that they get precedence. Well, well, let me ask you, are there any analytics now that would uh, give a value to those relationships? Or am I going to have to say, oh, there are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, it would not necessarily be a singular metric but it would be um, a relations. So they would be able to highlight relations between two different metrics and be able to determine that. So yeah, that's probably, it's probably already been done, Tom, honestly. Um, it's just a matter of it becoming a common and commonplace and adopted, you know, and kind of organization to organization and industry to industry. And that always takes time. So tech is usually first. Um, ironically enough, tech is usually the first to kind of implement these sorts of changes. And then education usually follows tech um, pretty closely because they're plugged into the IO community pretty intimately. And then um, it'll just trickle from there. Um, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that will be the case. Hopefully we will see that happening more and more. I think the challenge is just really going to be translating the need to existing leadership to get that ball rolling. That's there, there has to be that initial spark. And I really think that's what the great resignation has been. I think it's going to serve as that defining moment for organizations. Are you going to play ball or are you not sustainable? If I'm a, an IO student, in, either doing my master's or my doctorate right now, is this one of the areas that's going to be a growth section? And I yes, want to start. And please, dissertations. Start thinking dissertations. If you're a student right now, this is where you should be putting your focus. Right. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, I saw your hand go up. Are you back with us? Yes. Thank you, Sarah. That was really great. I, I wanted to comment that I'm sorry, I got interrupted with an email that was something I had to take care of before, but um, transparency and our participatory culture has made all of these things, a great resignation, um, diversity, all the things going on in the world. You can't hide what goes on in the dark comes out in the light, you know? And so the need for professionals who can give the guidance, who specialize in the psychology behind these behaviors to help leaders who that's not their job specifically, they have other worries is really very important. And I, I wanted to make one other comment back to when you were asking me before. It's important when somebody comes to you to really first ask the question, is it valid or is it gossip? Sift first, because with corporate communications, for example, nip it in the bud. The first thing you do is you own it. You say when that guy's dragged down the hallway, you know, the aisleway in the, in the plane in United Airlines, they waited four days to respond. That's ridiculous. You say, this is not the way we treat. This is not what we do, but I will look into it. I hear you. A lot of times people just want to be heard. And if they, and if it's something that you hear about you or something like that, you go, oh, that's funny. I mean, like what, uh, I think it was Sarah Ariana, you flip it back on them. Like, that's so juvenile. I can't even believe it. Like, just if you, if you, if somebody throws sand at you in the sandbox and you don't throw, you don't play, you're not giving them any power. So um, anyway, that was my, my two cents I didn't get to say before. So thank you for having me. 
<laughs> That's worth a lot more than two cents. Thank you very much, Cynthia. Uh, Sarah, I, think, I see we've got about one minute left. Do you want to give us some overview thoughts on, on what you've heard today? Absolutely. So number one, what is gossip? Think about that for the rest of your day. How would you define it? How would you identify it? And once you did, what would you do with it? Okay. That inquisitory nature of an IO needs to be at the forefront at all times. Second, if you are in the middle of gossip, the number one thing you can do, and this is also something I tell my kids is walk away. If you have no, it will have no impact on you. If you walk away now, if you're in an organization and you are charged with dealing with this matter, reach out to an IO, reach out to someone in our peer group. Uh, we'd be happy to help. Yes, very well said. And especially for the younger IOs, if you're looking for some mentors, uh, do get in touch with CBOC. We are lining up mentors for people uh, to help you do that transition, get into the profession itself. Uh, and with that, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you very much, Cynthia, Rick, Brendan, Ariana, and everybody who either uh, joined us on stage today and shared your voice with us and all those people who have tuned in. We will be back next week, same time, same place. Thanks very much, everybody. And with that, we'll call it a day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.